Welcome to this week's Rashi Shear, brought to you from the Bet Midrash of Mizrahi in Melbourne, Australia. So, good evening and welcome to this week's Shear on the Rashi. We are on Perak Yudchet, Pasuk Yud, and we're in the middle of this Pasuk. Now, I noticed last week that some versions of Rashi um, comment on Shuv Ashuv, first before Ka'it Chaya, um, and that's logical because Shuv Ashuv comes first in the Pasuk, and that's the Girsa, the version that we followed. So we did Shuv Ashuv last week, and now we're doing Ka'it Chaya. So you might find it at the beginning of Rashi's comment on Pasuk Yud, or you might find it in the middle. But what's happening is the guests who we know are Malachim say, or at least one of them says, Shuvah Shuvah Elecha Ke'et Chaya, I will surely return to you Ke'et Chaya, which we'll translate in a moment, V'hinei ven l'sara ishtecha, and there'll be a child for Sarah, your wife. And then we talk about V'sara Shamad, Petach Ha'ohel, V'hu Acharav, and Sarah heard of the entrance of the tent, and we'll leave V'hu Acharav till later. Now, what does Rashi say about Ke'et Chaya? So eight means a time, Ka means like, Ka with a kamatz means like the time. And chaya is something to do with life, also means midwife, which is directly related to birth. So Rashi says on the words ka'et chaya, ka'et hazot l'shana haba'ah, like this time in the coming year. So dafka, the time, like this time. Not just like any other time, but like this time. So Rashi learns that it means like this time in one year's hence. And what was that time? This day was not an insignificant day. Upesach haya. It was Pesach. So this day, when the Malachim are giving the message, was Pesach. And they said that he will be born one year's time. So he'll be born on Pesach. Ula Pesach haba nolad Yitzchak. And on the following Pesach, Yitzchak was born. And Rashi spells out what I just said, and I got it from Rashi, midolo karinon ka'et, ela ka'et. From the fact it doesn't say ka'et, like a non-specific time, but rather ka'et, like this time. Like a, the, the, the specified time. Now, there's a lot to say on the question of the dates. Rashi says here that the Malachim came on Pesach, and they gave the news that Sarah would have a child one year later on Pesach. Um, we can see other clues that this was on Pesach, because in Perak um, yes, Yotet, when the Malachim go to Sodom on the same day, we read that in Pesach Gimel, Yotet Gimel, that is, impressed upon them or urged them a lot. He urged them to come and stay with him. And they inclined to him. And he came into his house. And he made them a feast. And he made matzot. And Sarah's looking very excited there. And uh, one of my favorite rashis is a two-word rashi. You remember me talking about this? Um, or you don't, you just know it before. A two-word Rashi, which is partly um, a little bit sentimental, because when my kids were at school, the first Rashi they learned was this two-word Rashi. On the words, Matzot Afar, Pesach Hayah. 
it was Pesach. So the day that the Malachim went to Lot was Pesach. So we learn from that the day the Malachim were, or it matches up with what Rashi says, the day that the Malachim were at Avraham's house, which was the same day, was also Pesach. So we're setting up a link between the Malachim coming on Pesach. One year later, the uh, baby is born. And if you look in Perak Kaf Aleph, um, Pasuk Bet, Kaf Aleph Bet, when the baby is actually born, the Tahar Vatelet Sarala Abraham Ben Zukarav Lumoed Asher Diber Oto Elokim. She bore him at the time, the appointed time of which, which Hashem had said to him, to Abraham. And Rashi says there, Lumoed Asher Diber Oto, Dumeleyate Etamoed Asher Diber Vakava, the time which he had spoken and fixed. When had he spoken? When did he fix this time? When the Malach said to him on behalf of Hashem, at this time I will return to you. That's not actually our passage, which we're going to get to a little bit later. And says Rashi there, we're still in Kaf Aleph Bet, Sarat Lo Sarita Bakotel. The Malach uh, scratched out a line on the wall. But Amar alone, he said to him, When the sun comes to this line, in other words, when the sun has gone through an entire solar cycle and comes back to this line at this time, in the forthcoming year, she will bear. So, Rashi here, Kav Aleph Bet, says, it was precisely one year after the Malachim came, which is what Rashi said in our Pasuk as well, in Pasuk in Yud Chet Yud, um, and again in Kaf Aleph Bet, that the baby will be born one year after the Malachim came. And Rashi here in our Pasuk says it was Pesach. And this matches nicely with Shemot Yud Bet. Uh, Uh, Mem Aleph. Yeah, Shabbat Yud Bet Mem Aleph. So at the time of the Exodus, I don't know if anyone's got a Shemot there. I have. And it says, It was at the end of 430 years. On that very day, All the hosts of Hashem went out of Eretz Mitzrayim. Says Rashi, when the time arrived, Hashem did not delay at all. And how do we know that the time had arrived? Because the time was 400 years after the birth of Yitzchak. We learned that in the Brit Benavitarim, that his, Abraham was told his descendants would be strangers for 400 years. Rashi said that, that 400 years kicked off when Yitzchak was born. And so exactly 400 years after that, the Jews came out of Egypt. Says Rashi, here on Yud Bet Mem Aleph, Bachamisha Asar Nisan Ba'o Malachi Hasharit Etzel Abraham Lebasro. On the 15th of Nisan, the Malachim came to Abraham to inform him, Bachamisha Asar Nisan Nolad Yitzchak. One year later, on the 15th of Nisan, Yitzchak was born. And it was also on the 15th of Nisan that the Benavatarim was decreed. By the way, and this is the beginning of a 
long discussion about the significance of the 15th of Nyssa. It's a day of um, revolution. It's a day when elder firstborns are dethroned for the sake of secondborns. It's the day when sorry, triumph over Egypt. It's no coincidence, but it's the same day as we've seen that Saddam was destroyed. And there are many parallels between the destruction of Saddam and the destruction of Egypt. The Midrash gives many other things that happened on that day. Everything's fine and dandy so far, except for one thing. If we go back to where the prophecy of the uh, baby being born was given, which was at the same time as the Brit, ben the Brit Mila was given. And I have to look for it. It's Perik Yud Zion. Perik Yud Zion. Kaf Aleph. Yud Zion Kaf Aleph. Yud Zion Kaf Aleph. Briti Akim et Yitzchak asher tele l'chal asara l'moed hazer b'shana ha'acheret. The Pasuk says explicitly that at this time, the time of the Brit Mila, then Sarah will have a son b'moed hazer b'shana ha'acheret. At this time in the following year. And so we see from that Pasuk, Yud Zion Kaf Aleph, that Yitzchak is born one year after the visit of the Malachim. Sorry, I got that wrong. Yitzchak is born one year after the Brit Mila. In Pasuk Perik Yud Zion, Hashem gives Abraham the command to do the Brit Mila. Rashi says he did it straight away. And the baby will be born this time, this time in the next year after the Brit Mila. So what's the problem? The problem is the Malachim came to Avraham, as we said in Perak Yudchet Pasuk Aleph, on the third day after the Brit Mila. So was Yitzchak born one year after the Brit Mila? Or was Yitzchak born one year after Tetvav Nisan? So if Tetvav Nisan was the third day after the Brit Mila, presumably we count the first day as day one, that means the Brit Mila was on Yud Gimel. You might say we count uh, the first day as day zero, in which case the Brit Mila was on Yud Bet. But either way, we have a problem because Hashem says to Avraham in Yud Zayin Kaf Aleph, that the baby will be born one year after the Brit Mila, and yet from all the other clues that we brought together, which built a very consistent picture, the baby's born one year after the visit of the Malachim, which was the third day after the Brit Mila. So, how do we handle this? So the Mizrahi, as he often does, says, no big deal. There are different Midrashim, there are Cholkim, they take a different position. Rashi sometimes brings one Midrash here and he brings a di different Midrash there. The Mizrahi uses that answer many times to resolve apparent contradictions between Rashi and Rashi. The Mizrahi says he's, he's really not that bothered by Rashi bringing different Midrashim which are um, disagreeing with each other. Or we can say that the Pasuk that I took so long to find, Yud Zayin Kaf Aleph, was not specific. Now, notice that our Pasuk, Yudchet Yud, said Ka'et Chaya, at this time. Whereas this Pasuk here says, Yudzayin Kafalov, says Moed. Now, they don't, can't mean the same thing. How do I know they're not the same thing? Because they're not the same word. So if they were the same thing, then we could say they have the same degree of precision. 
Since they're not the same thing, maybe we can say that eight is precise and moed is a little bit less precise. So when the uh, promise of the sun is at the same moed as the Brit Mila, it doesn't mean dafka the same day of the year. It means the same season. And two, three days difference is all part of the same moed. Or we can say that moed has a more precise meaning in the way we use it in other respects. Moed means Pesach. It means a festival. And the festival of Pesach is not one day, although the Korban Pesach is offered on the 14th, but the festival of Pesach lasts the whole seven days. And that's all one single unit. So maybe moed, which is used in part of this, uh, these psukim, particularly kaf aleph uh, bet, means not dafka the same day, but the same chag, the same duration of Pesach, which allows for a longer period. It doesn't actually include two days before Pesach, so maybe that won't work, but that is something that's suggested. Or we can say quite simply that the Malachim came on the, sorry, sorry, the promise of the Brit Mila, and the Brit Mila was on the 12th or the 13th, depending how you count the three days. And when Hashem says Moed, he doesn't mean Dafka of the baby who was born on the 12th, he means it will be born at a similar time. So um, it is, that's probably quite a simple answer, although elsewhere we do have Midrashim that says the Brit Mila was on Pesach. Um, so we can't just discount that altogether. We do have to um, accept some Midrashim to be more precise than others if we're going to make this work. Or we can just say, as the Mizrahi says on Rashi, that sometimes the Mizrahim just disagree with each other. But we're holding now that the baby is going to be born a year after the Malachim give the message. And the Malachim came on the 15th of Nisan, so Yitzhak is born on the 15th of Nisan. And the Yitzhak Mitzrayim is 400 years from the birth of Yitzhak. It's also obviously on the 15th of Nisan. So, now we carry on with Pasuk Yud. And on the words Ke'et Chaya again, we haven't quite finished Rashi on Ke'et Chaya. Ke'et Hazot Shetahei Chaya Lachem. What does it mean Ke'et Chaya? Like this time, which will be Chaya for you. What does that mean? Shetihiyu Kolchem Shalemim V'Kayomim. That you will all be complete and enduring. So Ke'et Chaya means at a time of, let's, let's sort of paraphrase it, a time of life. It's referring to the fact that the baby's going to be born. So it won't just be this time in a year's time, but it will be this time which will be a time of Chaya. Says Rashi, what does that mean? Shleimim v'kayomim. Life, which in this case is particularly referring to the birth of a son to Abraham and Sarah the one and only son to Abraham and Sarah, is not just life, as in the sense there's, there's new life, as every baby is, but it's more than that. The life in this case is going to make them complete and enduring. And it's fascinating that Rashi adds in those words, that he's not satisfied just to say it's life, as in there's going to be a new person in the house, there's going to be a new little person. That's not what the birth of Yitzchak is going to do, or it's only a tiny fraction of what the birth of Yitzchak is going to do. In the case of Abraham and Sarah, who have waited all their lives for this child, it's going to make them shleimim. And it's going to make them kayomim because it's going to make them endure. 
that even after they have left this world, they will leave descendants who will carry on, as we've said many times, their message and their legacy. We can say that for Avram and Sarah, the birth of Yitzchak was going to make them shleimim v'kayomim. And if we were getting a little bit sermon-like, we could say that's the nature of the birth of every Jewish child, that every Jewish child brings shleimut to the family and brings kiyum, eternal, everlasting kiyum, fulfillment and endurance and sustainability to the Jewish family and ultimately to the Jewish people. And that, says Rashi, is what is going to be signified by the birth of the first Jewish baby, not just Chaya as in life, that refers to Shlemut Vakium. As Rashi says here, Ka'it Chaya is Shetehei Chaya Lachem, Shetiyu Kulachem, Shlemut Vakayamim. Okay, we've just got one part of Rashi left, I think, on this uh, Pasuk. Yep, and that is on the words for Hu Acharav. So what we said here, this is going to get very pedestrian compared to the stuff we've just been talking about. Um, the Malach says, I'm going to return, and there'll be a child to Sarah. The Sarah Shamat and Sarah heard Petach Ohel at the entrance of the tent. We've already said that Sarah was in the tent. She wasn't mixing with the guests, but she's standing at the entrance of the tent, and she hears, Vahu Acharav. And it was behind it, or he was behind it. Now, I've probably said a few times, uh, because this is a common feature of the problems or the challenges of exegesis of the Chumash, and something that Rashi usually helps us with, and that is the ambiguity of pronouns. When the Chumash, or for that matter, Lahavdil, when we use pronouns, it's not always clear to what we're referring. Sometimes it gets very confusing, because a pronoun could refer to different things. Uh, in a sense, it's, it's better and it's worse in Hebrew, because Hebrew has gender. So if it, we know which is male and which is female, we can perhaps sort out to which the pronoun refers. But then again, there's no distinction between male or neuter. So something inanimate could be, have a male uh, grammatical form or it could have a female grammatical form. So here we have two pronouns, the who acharav, it or he was behind it or him. What was behind what? And that is Rashi's problem. And Rashi answers it by saying, V'hu acharav ha-petach haya achar ha-malach. The entrance was behind the angel. So, um, that works to some extent for the first mis um, and mysterious pronoun, V'hu. If in doubt, this works in every language, I think, certainly in English and certainly in Hebrew that I'm familiar with, if in doubt, the pronoun will refer to the last mentioned noun. So in this pasuk, the last mentioned noun is the petach ha'ohel, the entrance of the tent. The who and it, i.e. the entrance of the tent, therefore is the subject of the who. However, acharav was behind it is very problematic because what can we say it is that the entrance of the tent was behind? So is it a thing? Is it a person? Will it be a male person? In which case, it could be one of two things. It could be the Malach, who's been talking in the previous Pasuk, or it could be, Avra oh, sorry, it's talking in this Pasuk, actually, or it could be Abraham. Abraham's the only other person there. Says Rashi, it doesn't make sense to say that Abraham was behind, uh, the, the entrance of a tent was behind Abraham. Sorry, uh, uh, yeah, sorry, the entrance of a tent was behind Abraham. 
because why do we need to know where Abraham is? It's much more relevant that we need to know where the Malach is in relation to the entrance of the tent because of what's going to come next. Because it's crucial for what comes next, and we all know the story, that Sarah was behind the Malach. So Sarah is listening into the conversation, but she can't be seen. Sarah is at the entrance to the tent, that's what the Pasuk says, and then the last uh, two words, as explained by Rashi, says the entrance was behind the Malach. So Sarah's at the entrance, the entrance is behind the Malach, so the Malach is in front of Sarah, and Sarah can hear, but she can't be seen what's going on. She can hear what's going on, but she's not to be seen. So the simple explanation of this Rashi is Rashi needs to clear up not one, but two pronouns here, which create ambiguity. What is the who and what is Aharav? And Rashi answers it by saying, in order for the story to make sense, the angel, sorry, sorry, I got it wrong again. The entrance is behind the Malach and Sarah's at the entrance. So Sarah is behind the Malach. Okay, so as we're probably familiar, because this is a very, very well-known story, Sarah is about to express some incredulity. But we need a little bit of background here. Pasuk Yud Aleph says, For Abraham the Sarah Zakanim, Ba'im Bayamim. Abraham and Sarah were old. They were going on in days, which is an idiom the Torah uses for old. Chadal lihiyot Sarah arach kanashim. Sarah had ceased to be of the way of women. In other words, Sarah had, was postmenopausal and she was no longer menstruating. However, Rashi says, so Rashi first of all says, Pasak Mimena, it had stopped from her, explaining what Chadal really means. But then, Orach Kanashim, says Rashi, Orach Nidot. Now, Orach uh, Kanashim presumably is a, is a slightly polite euphemism, and Rashi has to spell out that when we say the way of women, it's the way of Nidot, it's the way of menstrual cycle. However, there's a huge problem with this. Uh, obviously, we're setting up for the fact that Sarah is way past childbearing age, uh, and yet she's about to have a child that's been prophesied, and she's going to express uh, incredulity at that. And she's aware that she stopped menstruating, so she's way unable to have a child. Except what's the problem? The problem is that Rashi told us what happened in Pasuk uh, Chet. He told us that... Sarah had started menstruating that very day in Pasuk Chet. So what is it? Rashi copies the word from the Pasuk, which is crucial. And Rashi includes it. When he says Orach Kanashim, he says Orach Nidot. In other words, the way of Nidot, the way of menstruation. In other words, the menstrual cycle had stopped from Sarah. Aye, she had become a Nida that very day, but that was a one-off, at least as far as Sarah knew, that was a one-off. It wasn't Arach Nidot. And that's why Rashi, quoting the word of the Pasuk, but deliberately quoting the word of the Pasuk, includes the word Arach in his explanation, Arach Nidot. The cycle of menstruation had stopped from her, even though we know, because Rashi told us just a few Pasukim earlier, that that very day she had gone into a state of Nidot. And that will be crucial um, for our understanding of what's coming next. So the next thing that happened is, in Pasuk Yud Bet, Sarah Bakirba. Sarah laughed within her, or, well, Rashi will explain, Lemor saying, 
אחרי בלותי, after I have become worn out, הייתה לי עדנה, I should again, uh, I should become עדנה, which will leave Rashi to translate, ואדוני זוקן, and my husband is old. And we're probably very familiar with the fact that when Hashem repeats these words to Avraham, he changes them slightly, and Rashi has something to say on that. So remember what Sarah says here, and in the uh, next Pasuk, Pasuk Yud Gimel, we'll see how Hashem rephrases her words. But Rashi has got to, something on the word, got to say something on the word Bekirba. Betitzchak Sarah Bekirba. Sarah laughed um, within her, Lemur saying. So says Rashi, Bekirba, Mistakelet Bameeha. She looked at her insides, Vaamra, and she said, Efsha Hakaravayim, Halalu Taunim Vlad. Is it possible that these insides can bear a child? Hashadayim halalu shetzamku, these breasts which have dried up, moshchin chalav, can they draw out milk? That's from the, uh, Rashi says it's from the Tanchoma. So, Rashi understands the word bikirba as crucial to the titzchak Sarah. Sarah laughed with reference to her insides. It wasn't Sarah laughed internally, privately, in her heart, but rather she laughed with reference to what was going on inside her. And therefore, as she says, she actually said with reference to her own body, how can this bear a child? Now, you might remember, uh, and we'll have to go back again to Posit Yud Zion, and it won't take me so long to find it this time, um, because it's in Perik Yud Zion, Posit Yud Zion. Um, when Avraham was given the news that he was going to have a child, and it's interesting, it's a question whether he shared that with Sarah or not. Rashi doesn't give us a clue. We read, Avraham al panav, Avraham fell on his face and laughed. Now, there's a few things I want to say. And the first is, you might remember, Rashi made the point there in Yud Zion that Avraham laughing was different to Sarah's laughter. Avraham's laughter was one of joy at receiving this news. Sarah's laughter was one of skepticism and incredulity. And Rashi there in Yud Zion derived this distinction from looking at the Targum Onkelos, because Avraham's laughter is translated as the Chadi, which means he rejoiced. Sarah's laughter in our verse is translated as the Chaychat, which means she laughed, but in a mocking way, in a, in a sarcastic sort of way. It's interesting that Rashi reaches the same conclusion about the nature of Sarah's laughter, but by a different route. And Rashi here in our Pasuk in Yudchet, Yudbet, does not refer to the Onkelos as translating the Titzchak Sarah uh, as mocking laughter but rather he finds the clue to the nature of Sarah's laughter from the word Bekirba. I'll come back to that in just a moment. The other thing we can see from the earlier passage, Yud Zayin, Yud Zayin, is perhaps why Rashi sees Bekirba as a word that has to be darshaned in the way that he does. Why doesn't Bekirba mean she laughed within her? She laughed in her heart. She laughed internally. 
And the answer to that is because we have a different word if we want to say that you laughed within yourself. And that word is the one that we have in Pasuk Yud Zayim. He said in his heart. That is the word for an internal monologue, uh, if you like. So the word Bekirba is a different word, and therefore it needs a different explanation. And that perhaps is why Rashi Darshan's Bekirba, as he does, to say that Sarah was actually reflecting on her, in the, her, uh, her own body, her own physicality, uh, whereas Avraham was laughing Belibo in his heart, which was not a reference to you know, the natural uh, cardiac situation of his heart, but rather just means he was laughing internally. Why doesn't Rashi use the same derivation here as he did there? In other words, why doesn't he refer to the different translations of Unculus? Good question. Different answers are given. One answer is he's already done it, so he doesn't need to do it again. But I think the best answer is Rashi, he, he doesn't deny that that's the distinction. After all, he, he said that's the distinction between the way Unculus translates Abraham's laughter and the way Unculus translates Sarah's laughter. That, that's true, and it's, it's an objective fact. But there's another clue in the Pasuk here. And the clue is Bakirba. So therefore, he has to darshan Bakirba here. He couldn't use Bakirba there in Yudzayan Yudzayan because it wasn't said in relation to Abraham. It was only said in relation to Sarah. However, when it comes to Yudchet, Yudbet, he needs to explain the word kirba, bakirba. So he explains it and uses that as his proof here for Sarah's incredulity and skepticism. Okay. Um, then he says on the word Edna. Now, Sarah says, after Baloti, after I have become worn out, Haitali Edna, would I become, would I get Edna? So what is Edna? So says Rashi, Rashi brings two explanations. And the first is uh, basar, smoothness or polishedness of flesh, smooth skin, basically. Veloshon Mishnah, and he wants to show a support for the idea that Edna means smooth skin. So he quotes from the Mishnah, which says, Meshir et haseir umaaden et habasar. When it comes to making parchment, you remove the hair and you smooth out the flesh. And, and that is part of the parchment making process. So Edna means smooth skin. Dvar Acher, another explanation, Loshan Idan, Zaman Veset Nidot. Here it means Idan, which means, now it's a little bit confusing this, uh, the translation is the word period, but it doesn't mean period um, directly in the way that we use it in the menstrual sense. It means as a period of time but it refers to her menstrual cycle, which was periodic. So the word edan, idan, uh, means period as in period of time. So it's a reference to the menstrual cycle. Zaman veset nidot, the time of the fixed time of the menstruation. So according to the first explanation, edna um, means smooth skin. So Sarah realizes that, or, or, or she's going to be, she's very old, but she's going to get smooth skin. In other words, she's going to be rejuvenated and therefore able to have a child. Or it refers to menstruation, which is going to come back to her, which is going to be the precursor of being fertile again and able to have a child. And of course, we know 
that that's what had happened to her because Rashi says that in Pasuk Chet, that it had already happened. Although in Pasuk uh, Yud Aleph, uh, the way we've explained it, Rashi said it wasn't now uh, a regular cycle, but nevertheless, she had uh, returned to menstruation. Now, I, I want to stress this because there's really two ways of seeing what Sarah is saying, and the two ways are going to be relevant to the next Pasuk. So let me just review them. Either Sarah is saying, it's amazing that I'm going to be rejuvenated, I'm going to have either smooth skin or a menstrual cycle, um, and that's amazing, and, uh, and I'm actually skeptical about it, or she's saying something different. She's saying, look at me now, after I've become old and worn out, I am going to get smooth skin, I am going to get, or I am going to start menstruating again. I, that's definitely going to happen. That, that's amazing that that's going to happen to me, um, and that will enable me to have a child. And then she says, but it's also the case that my husband is old. Now, why does she say that? Well, let's go on, and I'll come back to that. Vayoma Hashem el Avraham. Hashem said to Avraham, Lama Sarah? Why did Sarah laugh? Lemor saying, Ha'af umnan eled ani zakanti. Am I indeed going to bear a child? And I am old. Okay. Now, by the way, I just want to say, we all know what Rush is going to come on to say, uh, uh, not the first comment, but the second comment, that Hashem changed Sarah's words so as not to uh, imply that Sarah was criticizing or, or saying something negative about Abraham. I've always had a question on this incident, and I have not seen an answer. And the question is this. It's very nice for Hashem to change the words so he doesn't like land Sarah in it as saying something negative about Abraham. I don't know why, Abraham, why Hashem had to have this conversation at all. So I'll leave that as a question. I have actually looked hard for anyone to discuss this. I haven't seen anyone, but maybe I haven't looked hard enough. Why did Hashem have to have this conversation with Abraham about what Sarah said? Um, I don't know. And if anyone's got a good idea, let me know. Anyway, what does, Abraham, what does Hashem say that Sarah said? Now notice Hashem doesn't quote Sarah's words verbatim. He rephrases them. And he says two parts to them. The first is, Ha'af umnan elate. And Rashi says on the words, Ha'af umnan, Hagam emet elate which means, is it really true that I will bear? So the words ha'af umnan, uh, again, this is one of those occasions I like to say it's a fairly simple Rashi. Ha'af umnan might not be instantly intelligible to the reader. Umnan is indeed, it's not a very common word. Ha'af, even, the hey makes it a question, um, although it's not a kamatz, a chataf kamatz. But still, Rashi actually makes clear that it is a question by translating hagam, and there it is a chatah uh, patach, sorry, chatah patach. Uh, to make it an interrogative, it's not just a patach, it's a chatah patach, uh, a shiva and a patach together. In our text, it isn't. The ha'af is not a chatah patach, but Rashi, when he replace, replaces ha'af by hagam, he does use a chataf patach to make clear it is an interrogative, it is a question. So hagam 
emet elet. If you don't know what ha'af umnan means, or you're not sure whether it's a question or not, Rashi makes it clear it is by translating it as, is it true? Elet, that I will bear. It's also worth pointing out that by splitting the ha'af umnan from va'aniza kanti, uh, Rashi makes clear that it's not ha'af umnan elet va'aniza kanti. Will I really bear and I am old? But Rashi doesn't say that. He says it's will I really bear? And also there's another fact. I am old, but that's a separate issue. Now what does Rashi say on va'aniza kanti? And here's the bit that I've sort of... Uh, trailed, and we all know, because Rashi says, Shina hakatuv mipnei hashalom. Hashem changed the Pasuk because of peace. So he changed what he's written for the sake of peace. Or rather, sorry, the Pasuk changed, really. Shina hakatuv, the hakatuv is the subject. Shina hakatuv, the Pasuk changed it. Even though it's really the Pasuk's reporting Hashem's words to Abraham, which is reporting, or rather misreporting, Sarah's words. Shina hakatuv mipnei hashalom shaharei hi amra, because she said va'adoni zoken, and my husband is old. So Sarah said something factually true, but but a little bit depreciatory, negative about Abraham. She said he is old, and Hashem missed that out entirely. It's also worth noting that Hashem changed Sarah's words. Sarah said, edna, and Hashem repeated that as, ha'af umnan eled which is a little bit different. Now, there is an interesting discussion. What does it mean that the pasuk, i.e. Hashem, changed Sarah's words? And what I want to say is, to what extent did Hashem change Sarah's words? Because if Sarah said, there are two factors here that are preventing me having a baby, so it's, it's, it's amazing and slightly unlikely, hard to believe that I'm going to. Factor number one, I'm old. Factor number two, my husband's old, um, which is going to cause fertility problems for both of us. And Hashem repeated that she mentioned factor number one, I'm old. She, Hashem did not repeat factor number two. Is that a change? Now, some would say yes. Some would say Rashi, that's what Rashi means. Sarah said two factors, Hashem repeated one, that is a change. But others will say it's not really a change if that's what's going on. Because to tell a half the story is not telling the whole story, but it's not telling anything different from what actually happened. If Hashem said that she said to Abraham, I, Sarah, am old, and she actually did, is that shinui, is that a change? Or is that just an incomplete reporting? Now, as I said, one way of reading this is the more straightforward way to say, yes, she said two factors, Hashem reported one factor, that's a change. But it's also possible to read it differently. And that's what I was trying to bring out of my analysis of Pasuk Yud Bet. She had already started menstruating. In Pasukhet, that's what Rashi said. So Sarah suddenly knew something strange was happening. Indeed, I've heard this as a question on, on the whole story. If Sarah notices this tremendous change to her body and to her, and to her, her way of life, which was you know, remarkable for a 90-year-old woman, 
how could she then be surprised that she's going to have a baby? She's seen this miraculous change, the beginning of the rejuvenation process. So what I'm trying to say is, and some want to explain Rashi's comment as follows. Sarah is not saying, how can I have a baby because I'm old? Oh, and how can I have a baby because Abraham's old? She's saying, I am sorted. Even though I was veloti, I was worn out. Haitali Edna, I can see the rejuvenation process happening to me. I realize I am going back to either smooth skin or menstruation. Either way, it's happening. But what's the problem? The Adonis Ken. That's the problem. So if you read it like that, Sarah says it's not two factors, or there were two factors, but one is taken care of. I'm no longer old. I was, but I'm no longer. But my husband is old. And what does Hashem say? Hashem said, the one thing she said was that she was old. That is Shina HaKatuv. That is the Pasuk completely changed what she said. From saying, the problem is not me, it's Abraham. And Hashem repeated it as saying, the problem is me, it's Sarah. So I don't want to wax too lyrically on this, but I was quite excited to uh, appreciate this way of analyzing Pasuk Yud Bet carefully, which I would suggest makes more sense of Rashi's comment on Pasuk Yud Gimel. That is more of a Shina HaKatuv. The Pasuk actually made a change. She took, according to what I'm trying to say now, which is the views of some who explain Rashi this way, that in Yud Bet she was saying, it's no longer my problem because I'm being fixed, but it's Abraham's problem. But when Hashem repeats it, it just refers to Sarah's problem. That is Shina HaKatuv. Okay, how are we doing for time? Good. So let's go on to Pasuk Yud Dalad. So this is uh, Hashem speaking to Avraham about what Sarah said. And as I said a moment ago, um, I don't know why he has to say it at all. That's my question. But he does. And then he carries on in Pasuk Yud Dalad. But Sarah has raised her hand, so we'll take Sarah's comment. A question on your question, Rav. Is, is the grounds of your question based on Rashi's explanation in that if, sorry, if there is some, if we accept that there is some adjustment in what God is saying to Abraham, why are they having a conversation about it at all? Or is it in general? Like, why is God consulting Abraham about this? Um, I'll, 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 I'll give you a little bit more of the basis of my question, which may not be a very good question and uh, may be very easy to find an answer. I was trying to avoid saying that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is speaking Lashon Hara. Um, because that's not a very appropriate thing to say. But that's really the basis of my question. It looks like Hashem is speaking Lashon Hara. It looks like Hashem is saying something negative about Sarah, and I don't know what the toilet, I don't know what the positive purpose of that is. Mm -hmm. So that's really my question. So it's relation to this particular incident. He's criticizing Sarah. Uh, that seems to be clear for some degree of a lack of emunah, uh, and that's going to come out more in the, in the puzzle we're about to read. Um, and I don't know why he had to have that discussion with Abraham. Either he could have not had the discussion at all, or he could have had the discussion with Sarah. She's a Nivea. Um, why he has to tell Abraham about Sarah's incredulity, I, that's my question. It seems a little bit like, and I'm very, very nervous about saying this, as if there's, a, there's an issue of Lashon Hara. That's my question. You got an answer? Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> no. If you have one, please let me know. Okay. 
So Rashi, sorry, the Pasuk says in Yudalev, Hashem continues to say, Hayipaleh me Hashem devar. Um, I'll leave Rashi to translate Hayipaleh. From Hashem, a thing. But rather, Lemoed ashuv elecha ke'et chaya ulasara ven. He repeats what the Malach said on behalf of Hashem earlier with almost the same words. Since it has been disputed, he now repeats it to reinforce it. And he says, Lemoed, interestingly, he uses the word here, which, which the Malach didn't use in Pasuk uh, Yud. But he does also use the words Ka'et Chaya, the same as the Malach did. So Lemoed, at the season, Ashur Elacha, I will return to you, Ka'et Chaya, at a time, this living time, Ula Sarah then, and Sarah will have a child. And in case we don't get to Pasuk Tetvav, I think we probably will, but we can see that Sarah is nervous about having said something wrong, because for Tachachesh Sarah, Sarah says, no, she denies it and says, I didn't laugh. And she's obviously, uh, there's, no, there's no question that she uh, feels castigated for doing something in the way of this laughter. Anyway, what is meant by Hayipale? Says Rashi, Katargumu Hayit Kasei. He says, translate it as the Targum does, as Unculus does, as can it be the hay again? It's a hay, it's a, a chatapatach, it's a hay of interrogative. Is it covered from Hashem? Is it covered? The chishum dava mufla umufurad umukuse mimeni la atsot me mela asot kirutsoni. Is anything mufla, which we won't translate for a moment, umufrad or separated, umukuse or covered? From me, mele asot kirutsani, from doing my will. What is Rashi's problem? Now, some people want to translate pele, pe lamad aleph, as a wonder. And then this pasuk is straightforward. Is it too wonderful from Hashem to do this thing? Is a thing too wondrous for Hashem? No, it's not, because Hashem is omnipotent, and nothing is too wondrous for Hashem. The problem, however... I think, is Rashi's comment on the Midbar Peret Vav Pasuk Bet. What does Rashi say on the Midbar Peret Vav Pasuk Bet? What is the Midbar Peret Vav about? Well, it starts by being about the laws of a Nazir, <coughs> someone who takes upon himself an extra restrictions, not to drink wine and not to come into contact with the dead and not to cut their hair. And the verse says there, in Perik Vav, the Midbar Perik Vav Pasuk Bet, Daber Bnei Yisrael v'Amarta Lehem Isha Isha Ki Yafli Lindor Neder Nazir LaHazir LaHashem. A man or a woman, when they Yafli, what does Yafli mean? Same word Yud Pei Lamad Aleph to Lindor to make a Neder of a Neder of being a Nazir to make a Nazir to Hashem. And Rashi says there Ki Yafli Yafrish to separate, and somewhere else, not here, but elsewhere, oh yeah, no, sorry, here, in the, in the end of, the, of his comment on Perak Vav Pasuk Bet, the call, ain zira ela bakom makom ela purisha, sorry, no, that, that, that's not what I was thinking of. So Rashi says, yafli is yafrish. The word yafli means yafrish. Pella means, perush means separating. So Rashi can't say Pella means wondrous here,
because Rashi has said elsewhere that, uh, that Pei Lamad Aleph means some degree of separation. Now, what does that mean in this context? So, Hayipaleme Hashem, is it separate from Hashem? So, you sort of get the idea, but Rashi has to spell it out. How can Rashi Hashem be talking about, is it separate from Hashem? Separate means it's not something in Hashem's reach. Kaviyakol, as if, as if you could say that. It's something separate from Hashem in the sense that Hashem can't do it. Do you think that Hashem can't do something? And so Rashi says, look at the Targum Onkelos, because he gives like a, uh, an aspect of separation which works well here. Covered. If something is covered, it's separate from those who like try to get to it. If, if you put the lid on a, on a jar, you can't get to what's in the jar. The, the, the items are covered and they are separate. So Rashi says, it's like the Targum, Hayit Kaseh, which is covered. And then Rashi spells out, So the Torah gives one word, Rashi stretches out into three to give the full sort of perspective about how he understands this one word. So one of the words is mufla, but the other word is mufrad, which means, also means separated, parida. And the other word is mukuser, which is already said is what the Targum is pointing you to as covered. So my point being that Rashi needs to explain how Pela, which means separate, is appropriate here. It's separate from Hashem, as in something that Hashem can't reach, can't access, can't do, which of course is absurd. And then Rashi says on the words Mo'ed, um, Mo'ed mo. That Mo'ed, that time, that fixed time, that particular fixed time, that I fixed for you, I'll leave it more for a minute. At this time in the coming year. What is Rashi doing here? Rashi is doing what he often does, which is explaining the definite article. Because although I was reading it rather clumsily as Lamoed, that's not how it should be read, it's Lamoed. Lamoed, the time. And every time there's a definite article where you might have sort of read it as an indefinite article, Rashi explains it's something we already know about. So Lamoed means the fixed time, which we have already fixed. And when was it fixed? Says Rashi very interestingly, et mo. Now you might remember at the beginning of the year, if it wasn't too long ago and it wasn't too confusing, that I made a big fuss about when was the promise of the birth of Yitzchak? When was Yitzchak going to be born a, a year later? Was it the time of the Brit Mila? Was it the time of the visit of the angels? And um, we con I concluded that the one that made most sense was it was a year after the visit of the angels. And the earlier promise had, made, had been made two or three days before, um, which is roughly the same time. Now, Rashi uses the word etmol, but don't be put off by the usual understanding of etmol, which means yesterday, because etmol can mean before yesterday. It can mean in the relatively recent past. I don't know exactly how the, the ghetto, I don't know exactly the definition of how far back it can be, but it can be more than yesterday. And it could be two days ago uh, or three days ago, depending how you count the three days from the Brit Mila to the visit of the angels. So actually, this word etmol is quite nice for those who want to say um, um, that the chronology is as follows. 
that the command to have the Brit Mila was given two stroke three days before. The Brit Mila took place on the same day. Rashi says <coughs> that it took place on the same day as the mitzvah. And that was when Hashem fixed a moed that Yitzchak would be born a year later. And Rashi and, and Hashem refers to that moed again. And Rashi says it's a moed that's been previously fixed. Interestingly, he doesn't go back um, three, uh, sorry, four pesukim to the Malach speaking, because that's really all part of the same speech from Hashem. The Malach speaks, Hashem speaks. It's all one incident. But rather, once he says, La Moed must be a Moed HaMiuchad Shekavati, which I've already fixed, it must be referring to a previous incident, and it's referring to it was fixed at the time of the Brit Mila, and it's repeated now. So at the Brit Mila, he said, um, the baby will be born in the next Moed, or one year from now, and it's repeated here, um, and, and what I said earlier, this one is the precise, this one is exactly a year before the birth of the son. The Brit Mila, two or three days before, is approximately a year before the birth of the son. But Rashi clearly here links the two announcements and says they are the same, which means by for sure one of them must be not precise and the other must be precise. So Rashi says here that I've already fixed the Moed et mol, which I've said means a few days ago. That refers to the time of the Brit Miller, and it's repeated now with extra precision at the time of the visits of the angels. And I think that's probably a good place to stop. So, Emir Tashem, next week we'll carry on from Pasuk Tet Vav. Are there any comments or questions? I'll take that as no. So, I'll thank you all very much for your attention, and Emir Tashem, we will see or hear each other next week. Thank you. Thank you.